Blog Talk Radio. It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the Speedway Show. Our topic today is stressed. Three things will help. You are a lawyer, an executive, a doctor, an HR professional, or in some other demanding position where the stakes are high and getting things wrong is not an option. Your job often requires quick thinking with insufficient information, and your stakeholders expect you to pull magic from your brain at the drop of a hat. Let's not even talk about the pressures of balancing that with kids and family and everything else that you have going on in your life. How do you manage the stress? This is what we are going to talk about today. The truth is there is actually no shortage of ideas on how to manage stress. When I researched this topic, I found a whole lot of suggestions, including laughter, and I thought, ooh, I like laughter. So this past week I posted a a picture on my blog of a cute little dog with red smeared all over his face and his paws, and the caption was, what lipstick? So that's always a good way to reduce your stress. Uh, Another way that I found, getting more organized. Well, isn't that an ongoing endeavor, right? Mood control was another one that was cited, and I thought, well, shucks, if I could control my mood, I probably wouldn't be stressed. But that's a good one. Um, Deep and slow breathing. This one actually made a fair amount of sense to me because um, those of you who've ever had babies, you will know that one of the things that they focus on during your prenatal Uh, lessons is how to breathe. And uh, deep breathing will oxygenate your body. It will normalize your heartbeat, thereby reducing stress. You may have tried this technique when you found yourself in a really stressful situation or before responding to your child or someone who really upset you. Sometimes it works, right? But Sometimes you are so stressed out or so emotional that all the breathing in the world doesn't feel like it's going to do any good. Frankly, I actually found that it wasn't terribly useful when I delivered my kids. And, um, you know, I thought about the breathing, tried the breathing. didn't really work. The pain was what it was, and it came anyway, and it was whatever it was going to be, and there was no amount of breathing that was going to change that. And uh, so, in fact, I found that visualization was more helpful. So rather than fighting the pain, I just sort of visually went into the pain. But anyway, story for another day. Massage. Massage is a good stress reliever, I think. In my experience, it was great until I had to get off the table and then I was back to, you know, who I was and the situation I was in. And so I didn't find that to be uh, terribly useful in terms of a long-term solution. Medication. 
is always available. There are some people like me who don't like to take medication. I have a hard time keeping up with daily vitamins, much less medication, and I certainly don't want to take anything on a long-term basis. There are, however, natural, herbal, and, of course, chemical medications that you can take for stress. Sometimes medication may be the only effective option depending on the situation, so I'm not saying that it's a bad thing to do. I'm just saying that if what you're looking for is the day-to-day management of stress, if you are sort of your run-of-the-mill uh, average stressed out uh, man or woman, it might not be an option that is terribly effective for you. Changing your habits, always a good idea. But if you're in a situation where you have a stressful job, then you may not be able to get away from the causes of your stress. However, changing your habits, because I'm actually going to suggest that you do some things to change your lifestyle and you incorporate some habits, Changing your habits can be incredibly useful depending on what you're changing and what you're changing them to. Part of the challenge is, of course, finding something that is sustainable on a long-term basis that doesn't involve the use of artificial means that will require you to keep spending money on your artificial means or that will, over time, have side effects that you may not want to deal with. I also saw a suggestion for hypnotherapy. I have read and heard some doctors say that this is a good way to change your neuropathways and therefore improve your brain function so that you can better identify the causes of your stress and you can better manage your stress levels. Another suggestion that I came across as I was looking is avoiding junk and sugary foods. Well, gee, you pick up any diet book, you Google any discussion about the impact of sugars and excess carbohydrates and the wrong kinds of carbohydrates for your body, and you will get all kinds of reasons for why. Uh, junk foods and sugary foods are actually not good for you physically as well as emotionally as well as psychologically. So this is not that show, so we're not going to go into a diet discussion. But um, the article that I happened to read on this topic suggested the consumption of minerals such as vitamin C and calcium because these can help with muscle relaxation and rejuvenation. Not a bad idea. All of us have to manage stress, right? Some of us are more susceptible to stress than others. Sometimes because of children, you might find that your life is pretty stressful. I remember when my first child was born, That was a stressful time, primarily, I think, because as as an adult, I am wired to sleep for, you know, I'm supposed to sleep for eight hours a day. I try 
to get eight hours of sleep. But on average, I sleep between six and seven hours a day. But, um, you know, children are, babies in particular, are wired to take those hours of sleep. There are actually a lot of hours that babies sleep, really. So if a baby sleeps 12 hours a day, the problem is they're doing it in three-hour shifts. And so you're not designed or at least you're not accustomed to taking your sleep in three-hour shifts, and therefore that was a cause of stress. It wasn't so much the baby as much as it was, frankly, the sleep deprivation and all of the challenges that that brought with it. But that was my experience. So um, we have stress in our lives. Some of us have jobs that cause us stress, perhaps because of the work itself, perhaps because of the people that we work with, perhaps because of your boss, because of your direct reports, maybe one of your direct reports. But there are all sorts of reasons why we have stress in our lives, and I don't think it's so much a question of how do you eliminate it, but how do you manage it, particularly if you find yourself in a situation where your stress level is caused by something that's kind of that's that's really chronic in your life could be or it could be a temporary uh, but chronic situation it could be an illness it could be something like a divorce you do get past it eventually but while you're going through it and probably sometime later it's going to be a, a high stressor in your life a job transfer is also pretty darn stressful because, again, it is something that's going to pass, but while you're preparing for it, while you're going through it, while you're adjusting from it, it can be an incredibly stressful situation for the entire family that is impacted as well as those that are left behind. So we agree, I'm sure, that all these things lead to increased stress. Now, for the sake of interesting trivia, I actually looked up the most stressful jobs and found a listing of the top ten. I put the article on a, uh, I put the article on the uh, uh, posting for this blog, so you can go to www.spiewe.com. That's S-P-I-W-E dot com. Under the posting for this episode, if you go to www.thespeedwayshow.com, you'll get to the same place. The top ten most stressful jobs are real estate agent, and this is in no particular order, real estate agent, emergency medical technician or EMT, stockbroker, architect, I suppose, you know, I never really thought about the fact that architect is, um, that is probably a pretty stressful job because if you don't get it right, there's going to be a lot of damage and a lot of injured people and perhaps a lot of killed people too. Another stressful job, number five, advertising account executive, uh, newscaster, photojournalist, senior corporate executive, public relations officer, and commercial pilot. I think all of those are actually pretty self-explanatory. So if you're in any of those professions, then you know that actually you are at a much higher risk for stress and a high level of it within your position. 
other success, uh, stressful situations. I did take a look just for yucks to see what are the most uh, stressful situations that people encounter. Uh, one list had these five stressful life events. Death, job change or job loss, marriage, divorce, and personal injury. I have been through four of these five, and I can certainly attest to the stresses of each one of them. I'll spare you the boring details, but I bet that you can probably identify several of these yourself and name several more things that have caused you a lot of stress in your own life, and perhaps you are in one of those situations right now. Another list that I took a look at listed a different five and uh, for a different five causes of stress. They were work, debt, loneliness, moving house, and relationship problems. A fundamental tenet of the Spiway Show is the idea that all life revolves around relationships. Relationships with your family, with your loved ones, with your spouse, your romantic relationships, your relationships at work, your relationship, your spiritual relationships. All life is relationships of one form or another. So relationship problems, no matter what they are, are certainly a cause of deep stress, especially for those of you who really value having good and positive relationships. The minute you fall out with your friend, then you don't feel well. Physically, you don't feel well because the stress gets to you. That can be very stressful. Other listed stressors that I found include, not surprisingly, kids and family, commuting, studying for exams, pregnancy, and wedding planning. Commuting, I suppose, is kind of a no-brainer, right? So if you live in California and you are trekking through several hours of rush hour smog and traffic every day, that can lead to a fair amount of stress unless you figure out emotionally how you're going to deal with it. The number one cause of stress, and this is one that when I hit upon it, I thought, well, of course, this makes so much sense because it hit the nail on the head. And this is one that came from an article in Psychology Today, and I posted it. You'll find it posted on uh, Speedway.com. Perhaps this is no surprise when I tell you what it is, but it also it lays at the foundation of many of these events that I just described. And I'm going to request a drum roll because it is a really good one. Drum roll, please. Here it comes. Frustrated expectations. Look at that. Think about all these stressors that we just talked about. Frustrated expectations lay at the bottom of many, many of these stressors. Therefore, we are now going to talk about solutions. And this may strike you as a strange solution, and uh, I want you to try it on for size, though, as you go about your day this week. My challenge to you is 
think about this solution for the next seven days and see how many times you think to yourself, self, if I was practicing this particular method of stress relief, I would not be feeling stressed right now. Thing one, and this is my favorite one, detachment. Now, when I say detachment, you might be scratching your head going, detachment, what? I'm not talking about apathy. I'm not talking about lack of caring. I'm not talking about lack of interest. I am talking about detachment in terms of freedom from expectations. It means treating others without expectations around how they're going to respond, how they're going to behave, and how they're going to react to you. For example, how many times have you heard somebody say, you know, I am so disappointed in that so-and-so, my whatever, you know, my child, my, my spouse, my whomever, because I really expected them to behave better. Why, I have done this and this and this for them, and this is how they repay me. What is that? It is expectation. I behaved a certain way. I expected reciprocity to come to me from this person in a certain way, and I have been disappointed because my expectations have been frustrated because I was attached to a particular outcome. I was attached to the idea that my whomever was going to behave a certain way. They didn't behave that way. I am disappointed. Detachment frees you to love unconditionally. So when your child disappoints you because, let's say, he chose the wrong career, she married the wrong spouse, they failed to live up to your what? expectations, you are still free to love them because you recognize that actually the way you raised them and what you did did not create your right to expect a particular outcome. Being detached. You know, many kids stop talking to their parents over disappointments, right? I can't believe my parents got divorced. I hate them because I had an expectation as a child that they were going to stay married. This can lead to regret, right? So disappointment leads to separation of relationships, and it leads to regret. Somebody dies and you feel badly because you didn't mend the fence. Then when the person's gone, whatever you are fighting about suddenly doesn't seem so important. Detachment frees you from playing the tit-for-tat game. Love is always the gold standard. The greatest of these, says my life manual, which happens to be the Bible, is love. Love conquers all. Tit for tat is always about returning evil for evil, ugly for ugly. When have you ever heard someone say, he hit me, so I'm going to go and hug him? Or when have you heard someone say, she stole my promotion, so I'm going to work really hard for her and be the most loyal employee she ever had? Nobody, generally, the natural inclination when somebody does something bad to you is to do it back. Why? Because you want to know how bad that feels. You want to make sure that they are just as disappointed as you are. Detachment means you don't return tit for tat. 
Detachment means you turn the other cheek because you say, you know what, this is who you are in this moment. I recognize that for whatever reason. But, you know, I didn't have this expectation wrapped around how I thought you should behave, so I'm going to forgive and keep going. Detachment also frees you from responding in in anger or hurt. Recognize that anger is often a secondary emotion. Two, things like hurt, fear, insecurity, jealousy. If you don't if you don't believe me, ask yourself the next time you find yourself feeling angry, what am I really feeling here? Am I really feeling angry or am I feeling hurt because my boss doesn't have faith in me and I feel misunderstood in this situation? Am I really angry or am I jealous because my husband's ex-wife spent a year getting this huge makeover and she just moved across the street from us? She's the gorgeous bombshell I will never be, and they have kids together, so I can't stop him from going over there. What are you really feeling? Now, here's what detachment may not cure. Detachment may not cure the natural stress of being in the hot seat to give a presentation and never being able to fully anticipate all of the questions. This might be the nature of your job. If you work in finance, for example, and you've got quarterly reports that are due every quarter, and you have to get up and you're just never sure what's going to happen in the meeting, especially if the results are bad, there might be situations where detachment may not cure your ill. It will help to recognize that it's the nature of the job and to do your best and forgive yourself the rest. Sometimes it's right and good, though, to have and to set expectations. For example, set expectations with your kids, how you expect them to behave, how you expect them to perform at school. You can set expectations with your family members. This is how we are going to divide the chores as between you and me, spouse. And this is what you're going to do. This is what I'm going to do. You can set expectations within a romantic relationship. I am looking for this kind of relationship, and if it's not quite getting there for me, perhaps I need to reset my expectations. Perhaps I need to express my expectations. But detachment will, in all those situations, help you deal better if your kids, your family members, your spouse, your work colleagues do not behave as you expected. Rather than getting mad and nagging, you can simply call them on the behavior, impose the appropriate consequence, and move on. If your child hasn't obtained gainful employment and he's 35, by a certain agreed-upon time, he, you can see that he hasn't gotten a job because he's playing video games all day, you impose whatever your previously agreed-upon consequence is, and there's no need to yell and scream and have tantrums and to nag him every day. If your spouse cheats on you the second time after you gave her a free pass the first time, maybe this time you take a different action. If your boyfriend is not responsive to your needs even after you've expressed them, perhaps this is not the right man for you. Suck up the disappointment that he's not the one and free yourself for the one that is. You may have to work through your anger, your hurt, your disappointment, but If you try to practice detachment, it will go much easier. An excellent book on detachment is the book, Who Moved My Cheese?, which I have posted on the SpeedwayShow.com or Speedway.com. 
it is it doesn't talk directly about detachment but about how we adapt to change and what i want you to look at when you read this book is how detached the characters in the book are to their cheese and all the tantrums and the disappointments that happen for two of them when the cheese disappears thing two meditation an eight-week mindfulness meditation study conducted by the Massachusetts General Hospital researchers found that meditation appears to make measurable changes in brain regions associated with memory, sense of self, empathy, and stress. This is the first study to document changes over time in the brain's gray matter as a result of meditation. You will find a link to the study on the website at speedway.com. So scroll down to the page um, uh, and you will uh, see it there for you to take a look at. A cursory web search turned up over 100 articulated benefits of meditation. As one who's been meditating for, oh, a number of years now, I can personally attest to many of these benefits. I don't have time to go through all of them for you. However, I would encourage you, if you're really interested in meditation, to take a look at a show that I did previously. And it was it aired on December 4th last year. It's called You Too Can Talk to God. And it goes through the many different kinds of meditation, secular and uh, God-centered meditation. It goes through many of the benefits of meditation, and it also gives you a step-by-step guide, my personal step-by-step guide for how I have done it successfully and what has worked for me. There are many, many resources on the web that will give you directions and resources for how to meditate if this is something that you would like to try. I highly, highly recommend it. I will give you just a few of the benefits. Uh, five physical benefits of meditation. Number one, it increases the efficiency of oxygen circulation in the bloodstream. Two, it increases your tolerance for exercise. Three, it can reduce high blood pressure. Four, it reduces anxiety attacks by lowering the levels of blood lactate. Five, it increases muscle tension and decreases, uh, no, it decreases muscle tension and increases muscle relaxation. Psychological benefits of meditation. One, meditation increases concentration and focus. You will work better when you meditate. Two, God-centered meditation increases intuition and perceptiveness. Three, meditation improves emotional intelligence. Four, it increases self-confidence. Five, it reduces anxiety and stress and it increases calmness. Spiritual benefits of meditation. One, God-centered meditation allows you to attach yourself to God as your pole star, reducing uncertainty, fear, and being swayed by negative events. You will be far less susceptible to feeling stressed out by the things that go on in your daily life when you are practicing God-centered meditation. Now, my meditation practice is God-centered meditation, so I can speak to that. I cannot... Um, 
speak to other kinds of meditation because I haven't tried them, but I have heard anecdotally from other people who practice visualization and other secular methods of meditation that actually they are also incredibly effective. More of the spiritual benefits. Number two, it allows you to better realize your oneness with God. Simply put, it will bring you closer to God and therefore it will improve your relationship with him. Three, it makes it easier to get in touch with your spiritual self. Four, it makes it easier to distinguish between your ego and your spirit. Five, it makes it easier to live a life of purpose. For a full exploration, like I said, visit com and go check out the show, You Too Can Talk to God. December 4 of last year, you can just scroll through the different um, uh, postings until you run into it, or you can run a search on the first page. Bottom line is, with meditation, pick a way that works for you. God-centered meditation, secular meditation, there are many, many ways to do it, many different techniques. But what I will tell you is, you should, however you do it, do it regularly. Try and do it morning and evening to get the best results. Spend a couple of minutes every morning, couple of minutes every evening. Even if you start with five minutes, just get into the habit. The other critical success factor for meditation is it's not something you achieve. It is an ongoing journey and an ongoing discipline because every day you have to carve out the time to do it. There will be days when you are successful. There will be periods, long periods hopefully, when you are successful, and there will be times when you just feel like you just fell off the wagon No matter, just pick it up and keep on going. Thing three, exercise. I posted a great article from Psychology Today entitled 19 Reasons to Exercise. I don't have time to list them all, but here are a few particularly germane to our discussion. Remember that personal injury was one of the top stressors? Well, among other things, exercise reduces blood pressure, lowers your risk of diabetes, strengthens your bones, boosts your immunity, reduces your body fat. Many of us, especially women, experience a great deal of stress over our weight. I have been overweight, and right now I am just right. I have to tell you, just right looks and feels a lot better than overweight. Exercise, particularly aerobic exercise, increases the endorphins in your body, thus improving your mood and reducing stress. I cannot say I feel great about going to the gym every time, but most of the time I can tell you that when I start the day by going to the gym and working out, or if I don't go to the gym, if I just run around my neighborhood and get some exercise, I'm always in a better mood for the rest of the day, especially when my meditation is on schedule and my detachment radar is working like it's supposed to. For tips on how to lose weight, we did a show. I did a show with a uh, returning guest of mine, Sean Panier King, and the show is entitled Losing Weight the Right way. This show aired actually pretty recently. I forget the date. Maybe I might be able to track it down while we're talking. But um, if you take a look at Losing Weight the Right Way, you can also see it on YouTube. This was one of the videos that we did. 
you will get tips on how to lose weight. And I will tell you anecdotally that actually when we recorded that show, I took a look at that video and I was like, oh, geez, is that what I look like? (laughs) I was kind of chubby around the middle. Oh, yes, here it is. The show aired on April 15th. And I actually took the advice from that show because Sean is a former bodybuilder and he had some suggestions about reducing uh, sugars and carbs and uh, increasing protein and fish and vegetables and I did and, and, and getting rid of, you know, pop and, you know, excessive sugars like that. And I did that and I went and I worked out like you suggested. And wouldn't you know it, I lost about 10 pounds, certainly since April, since that show aired. I I lost about 11 pounds since then. And I'm short, so it makes a difference. So all kinds of reasons and tools for you to lose weight if you choose to. But these are my top three things for reducing stress. There you have it, the three things that will help reduce your stress consistently if you practice them. I picked these three things in particular because they're not situational. It's not, gee, when I get into a situation when I'm stressed, I'm going to breathe, or gee, when I get into a situation when I get stressed, then I'm going to do something about it. If you practice, if you practice these things consistently, they will change the way you view the world and those around you. They will build up peace stillness, and positive emotions within you so that you are much less susceptible to the spikes in stress level caused by situations that you encounter every day. Because the goal is not to overcome the stress when you face it. The goal is never to get to the point where you are stressed out in the first place. So even though your job might be very demanding, even though your kids might demand a lot out of you on a daily basis, even though you have other situations going on in your life that cause you stress, these are things that will, over time, with consistency, help you deal with and reduce your overall exposure to stress. And that brings us to the end of our show today. Until next week, this is Thiwei saying, go in peace and get yourself into gear to reduce your stress. Thank you for joining us on The Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle thespeedwayshow. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply.